0: Good morning, everyone. Um, so we're actually, um, yeah, starting a new series today, just probably just going to be short, maybe just a couple of weeks, called The Table. And uh, we're actually talking about food. So it's kind of a good day to be in church. Um, we learn about food, talk about food. It's kind of cool. Um, but this is actually coming out, it's, it's mostly coming out of the shift that we made at night. Um, so moving service forward um, to cater for families a bit better, but also saying that we want to be more of a family and grow more as a family, and we want to have more time to eat. So we often, after church at night, we often go down to North Lakes and eat, but we want to get in the habit of eating after church here. And people even commented on when the, the, this year and last year when we had a combined service and we combined our services and we had like a midday sort of service, and then we had lunch, and there was just like no time pressure, just relax and eat together and just hang out, and it was just awesome. Um, and you guys have morning tea here, which is, which is great, and the morning service. And we're sort of saying, well, how do we grow our community, and how do we potentially do that through food as well? So that's we're going to kind of teach into that a little bit, um, look at some scripture and look at some um, just principles around God's desire for community and how we can grow as a community together. Um, and th- where this kind of fits with our year, we're kind of saying this year we're, we're, we're really thinking, what does it mean to follow Jesus? to grow to be like Him, and that's why we're doing The Way, which is teaching through the Sermon on the Mount, which is like intense, uh, quite challenging Bible teaching, looking at what does it mean to follow Jesus, but then we're trying to break it up with some lighter, more practical, how do we actually do this in everyday life, and we did, early in the year, we did Discovering Identity and Calling, and the journey God calls us to go on to discover our gifts and our talents and and who He's calling us to be individually. Uh, We had a series on mission. And then now we're doing this one on the table. So this is going to be a little bit less Bible teaching, like the way is it's just a passage Bible teaching. This is going to be a bit more topical, a bit more practical, a bit more how do we actually start to work this out in our lives. So we're going to do some um, more explanation on that in a, in a minute as well. Uh, a lot of these ideas, again, are taken from a guy named John Mark Como, who has got a church in, in Portland, Bridgetown Church. He's got a series called Eating and Drinking. So sort of based a fair bit of this on, on his stuff um, and some other stuff as well. So I'm going to pray. And then we'll, we'll get into for today. Father, we just thank you um, yeah, for your word and for the church and this the people that you have called. Um, you've called us here in Kalanga um, to be your people. Um, we just thank you that we get to gather and, just, and grow together. And just ask, Holy Spirit, would you even just speak um, to our hearts today? Um, would you just give us strategies and vision and, and just... Um, just the heart that you have for each other, would you, would you give that to us for, for us as well, Father? Um, so would you just speak, we just pray in your name. Amen. Cool. So earlier in the year, I just want to sort of just start, we're just going to talk a bit about community and the importance of community, and then kind of start to look down at food a little bit afterwards. Earlier in the year, we talked about um, spiritual formation, and this idea that actually God's call on us is to grow and to change, and to become more and more like Jesus, when we actually become more who we're called to be, which is people who reflect God's image. But sometimes we think that if we're not doing that, we're just stagnant, but it's not true. We're always being formed and shaped, and we're always growing in a certain direction. There's unintentional spiritual growth and intentional spiritual growth. We talked about this in the Discovering Identity and Calling series. So unintentional spiritual formation. This means that just by waking up in the morning you're being shaped and formed and grown to be a certain kind of person without even intentionally doing anything. And these are the things that make this up. So the stories that you're being told, the stories that you believe, the sort of world view, um, the stories that are coming at us every day through advertising, through media, they, they, they shape us. They shape how we think and therefore how we act. Our habits are just the things that we do repeatedly. And actually, the things that we do repeatedly really shape us and change us. Um, if you do something a lot, you often come to really love it, like, like drinking coffee, right? You don't normally like coffee to start with. You drink it every single day, and then you have a day without coffee. It's just really hard to survive. Like, like Habit shapes you. As well, relationships. And this is like the people that we are in contact with, whether they're intentional relationships or just by default relationships, they shape us and, and impact us. And then our environment, where we live, um, where we, what, what country we live in, what family we live in, what workplace we're in, all, all these things actually shape us to be a certain type of person. They're taking us on a trajectory. So what we said was, what we need is intentional spiritual formation. These things that are forming us, we have to be intentional about positioning ourselves to grow to be like Jesus. So we swap things. We swap just stories and just the messages that we might hear with intentional teaching and say, actually, we want our lives shaped on Scripture. We want our lives shaped on the story of God. That's actually the true story of the world. That's actually what's really going on. And we want that to be the thing that we think through. So we need teaching, whether that's at church or whether that's just reading the Bible or whether that's podcasts, teaching in some way. We need practice. And this is the idea of not just habits, but practices of spiritual disciplines. Things like prayer, even things like just coming to church, things like fasting, things like giving. These are things that we do, and again, they shape us. They they change our hearts. And this is all done in the context of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that brings change, that enables change, but we have a part to play as well in terms of positioning ourselves. And a big part that, that we need to be aware of is community. Sometimes we can even hear messages or, or approach our walk with God as just a, just a me and God thing. That it's just me and God and, we, and I just do it with Him and I don't need anybody else. And it's true to a degree that this, this direct relationship with God is so important, that God really cares about individual people. But actually, in order to grow and be like Jesus, spiritual formation only is possible in the context of community. It's actually not this individual thing that we just do by ourselves on our own at home. It's actually that we are in a community, a group. We call it a church. That's actually what a church is. This group of people that are following Jesus, living as family, and seeking to be shaped and to grow to be more and more like Him. Therefore, community is actually really, really important for spiritual formation. It's not just We can't just grow to be like Jesus and follow Jesus alone. It's something that we do together. And so many right, of the letters and, and commands and teachings in the Bible, when it says "you" as a command you to do something, most of the time it's not talking to an individual. The letter is not to an individual person. We often read it because we're so shaped by individualism. we often read it as it's just about one person. But when, when Paul is writing, when others are writing, when Jesus is preaching, most of the time it's, it's you people, like you folks. Like group, he's addressing a group of people. The assumption is that we're in a community that's growing together, and that's so important for us being shaped. More than that, though, God's desire is not just for a bunch of individuals who are growing to be like Jesus, but God's desire is for a people. He wants a people to dwell with. This, you see this in Ephesians. This, is, this, is, this started right with Israel, and now after Jesus... All nations are invited in. And Paul's talking and talking about the Gentiles, people who are not Jewish, who are now invited into the family of God. He says, consequently, you, so you Gentiles, are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. It's like a building that God is building that Jesus is the cornerstone. There's the apostles, there's the prophets. He's building a people. What for? In him, the whole building is joined together. In Jesus, is joined together. It rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. God's desire is actually for a people that's like a building that he can dwell in. Not the physical building, but the people are the building. But that's, that's what he wants. That's what he's creating. Again, we see this in Peter, First Peter. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. God, God wants this. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. When we think about church the church right is the people and god is creating and desiring a people that he dwells with that that he lives with that he actually people who host his presence and then reflect it out to the world and so it's not not just individual that we need in community as individuals but actually the goal is to be this community where god dwells and reflected to others so community is so important as god desires a people who are actually united that's, that's his vision. That's, that's his desire. We even sung about it before, about this idea of a bride, that the church would be God's bride, this united people who have grown to be like him, who are in this relationship. What's hard, though, is, is the way that we think about church, the way we, we do church, often doesn't really facilitate that kind of community. And I don't think it's necessarily our fault. I think part of it is just our culture, and just the way that we think and the way we default. And I think there's two things that impact this, this massively. The first one is just individualism, that, that we live in a, in a really individualistic society, which has lots and lots of really good things about it. Right, Like, like the, the value of an individual person is, is high, which is a really good thing. People's individual rights are respected, which is a really good thing. The problem, though, is it starts to mean the individual is the highest value. And we start to think of ourselves, therefore, as the highest value. And we start to think of ourselves as the center. And then church becomes the place that I come to facilitate my individual relationship with God and to grow and to self-create and to become all that I've been created to be. So some of that's good. But when that's the only goal, it's it's just this individual pursuit. Therefore, this idea of a community of people that dwell together and live together is, is very much harder to do. On top of that, we live in a society that's really consumeristic. Again, we're bombarded with advertising all the time. We're just, there's so much around products and materialism, and, and the way we approach life is often through buying things, through getting products, through getting services. And in the same way, that can impact the way that we think about church and it can be that this is the place that we come to get the spiritual products and the spiritual services. And it's like, instead of going to Coles, you just go to the church. And you get the teaching, and you get the communion, you get some morning tea, and then you're good. And, it's, and it, it can kind of, again, that's the individualism and consumerism kind of together. And again, we can kind of approach it like that. And in some ways even, like sometimes the way that we structure things can kind of be like that. like When, when it's mostly about a service, it can feel like we're coming here for a service, and then, then we go, and that, that's it. But, but that's not really the point, right? But that's kind of just because of these things, that's how we can end up structuring things. So what we're saying in this series is, is how do we actually sort of be aware of those things, but, but not lose this vision of the community that God desires, not lose this high value that we actually need each other, and not... Not just a quick chat, but actually we need deep relationship and connection with each other in order to follow Jesus together. And what what can we do to practically change that? What practice or habit could we actually intentionally put into our lives to build that, to shape that? And this is really, really simple. And it's not a big idea or complex thing this week. It's very simple. This is all it is. Eat together around a table. Very simple, right? And I, I was even struggling this week. I'm like, that's it. That's all I got. It's like I don't have to explain that. Like, I don't have to like argue that. Like, but although the thing is, it, just because something's simple, doesn't mean it can't easily be forgotten, or doesn't mean it's not necessarily valued, or not necessarily practiced. But this is actually something that's really powerful. Just eating food together around a table. Not just like grabbing some food, but having a meal. Like when you actually spend time together and share life together. That can often happen around a table. And the interesting thing is, this seems like it was a really high value in the early church. That the first Christians, and even Jesus himself, highly valued eating meals together. Uh, Again, a different society, right? They didn't have McDonald's then, so that would have impacted things. But although... But we need to remember that yeah, because of, because of our society because of fast food because of microwave because of all, all the things like, it, it impacts and actually shapes us and forms us again and, and maybe we've lost something so I'm going to read through this passage and, and there's so much in this passage that Mike read out from Acts 2 but one thing that's repeated multiple times is that they ate together This is this, listen, listen and see if you pick it up they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to the fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were performed by the apostles. God's God's presence is there. He's moving powerfully by the Spirit. All the believers were together and had everything in common. There's this community, this sharing that came out. They even sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all people and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved again there's a whole lot of things to to pull out of that but one thing is it this this Luke when he's writing this emphasizes right in this few verses two times he says that they broke bread and he says they ate together with glad and sincere hearts like this was a high value for them the breaking of bread sharing in people's homes, doing life together. We see this as well um, in in 1 Corinthians, in in chapter 11. Paul's writing to the church there, and they've got problems, and they've got problems around when they're eating together. Some people are eating too much. Some people are getting drunk. Some people are being excluded. There's all these problems. But one thing that we can kind of take away from that is actually, like, for them, church had become primarily a meal, what they would do would be gather and eat together. They would, they would have communion or Lord's Supper. They would pray, they would worship. But, but off, really at the center in some ways was the meal. This is just this one short verse from that passage. He says, so then, my brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, you should all eat together. You kind of learn from that. What they were doing was gathering to eat. This was a really important practice for the early church. They even called, were called love feasts. Or well, agape feasts There's this, 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 this brotherly, sisterly love that came about because of Jesus. They would share, they would eat together, and do life together. On top of this, this was a massively high value for Jesus. Um, it's really interesting. If you read through Luke's gospel and pay attention to references to food, and there's heaps, he's like always talking about food. And there's even a quote from a guy I was listening to and reading, this week that said, in, in Luke's gospel, Jesus is either at a meal, he's leaving a meal, or he's going to a meal. He's, Jesus is just always eating. He's around people, he's around food, he's celebrating. So much so that Jesus had a reputation around this. And this is, this is Jesus speaking about people who are accusing him. He said this, "'The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners.'" Jesus said that he's come eating and drinking. He's announcing the kingdom. He's eating with people. He's, he's eating with tax collectors. He's eating with sinners, so much so that he's gotten a reputation of being a glutton and a drunkard. And again, Jesus definitely wasn't those things, but, but he must have been eating a fair bit and drinking to be accused of those things. Like, he definitely wasn't going too far, but, but he definitely was having meals and celebrations with people who most people thought he shouldn't be as well and so this, this is a high value for Jesus and in some ways I think we, we've lost this um, and I think a lot of it again is just our society our society is so much around now just fast food um, we can make food so quickly um, food kind of has lost this communal relational um, meaning to it and it can just become functional it's just we need to eat we don't get hungry or to survive, so we just sort of shove some food in our mouth and then we get on with the day. Um, this is one quote uh, from, from an author. He's writing about the U.S., but I, I suspect it's probably similar in, in Australia. He said that 60 years ago, the average dinner time was 90, 90 minutes. Today, it's less than 12 minutes. That's when we do eat dinner together, which is less and less frequently. The majority of U.S. families report eating a single meal together less than five days a week. And even then our dinners together are mostly in front of the TV. And again, I think probably a lot of this is just a society, and this isn't at all to beat up on anyone for not eating dinner with the family. I was thinking about this today. Like, My parents were really good. They would always pull us to try and eat dinner at the table, and we would always be like, no, we want to watch TV. Like, like it'd be a battle just because things are different, right? Um, and, but, but there's something that's been lost with that, that the table, this place of sharing life, having time together, of enjoying food together, has, has been lost. And that there's been consequences to that. that, that the relational environment of our families, of our church, of our society, I think it could have something to do with that, that things have gotten harder. And, and therefore, there's this opportunity to say, well, actually, let's be people who intentionally practice eating together at a table, practice doing life together, sharing food together, sharing stories together, and so we actually grow to be a people who are together, not just in a building, but, but in, in life. Um, this is one quote about just how food can do this from Carolyn Steele. Few acts are more expressive of companionship than the shared meal. Someone with whom we share food is likely to be our friend or well on the way to becoming one. And again, this idea just of a shared meal, like, I feel like there's even a difference. Like, the difference when you say, let's get some food, or like, let's share a meal. It's like, let's actually sit down and let's take time. And, and you know when you do that with people, even when you're forced to do that, say you're at a wedding and like you sit down and you've got hours, like, like eventually you start to talk, you start to share, and, 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 and you start to grow to know each other. Um, even that word companion, interestingly, is it, to do with bread. It's about having bread together, is, is what a companion is. It's this thing that unites us. As we share food together, so this is all we're saying very simple one practice that we can cultivate, and again, what we 're trying to do at the, the pm service again, we can do that here, having morning tea, have that doing that here through showing hospitality, inviting people around to your house, and just eating together around the table. Um, just want to give some some kind of like application and, and, and practical um, just thoughts around this because. That, that may sound still really daunting. Like, yes, simple, but how? Or, or simple, but that sounds really hard. Um, and we're not used to that. Or maybe are like, well, I don't have... I can't afford to let people come around my house. I don't have much food to give them. Or I don't have a house to invite people to. Like, like how, how can we actually do this just with the things that we have and, and what's available? There's just a few comments on that. first one is that what we're talking about is hospitality... Not entertaining. Hospitality is this idea of welcoming, creating space, having guests, um, especially welcoming strangers or people who, are, who, are, who you don't know, into your home, into your just in, into fellowship. Um, whereas entertaining is often about like things have to be really good, right? Like if you're going to entertain, you've got to have a good house. It's got to be clean. You've got to have really good food and then you invite certain people, not everybody, just only certain people, and um, it's often about kind of showing off even, like, come and see our new house, come and see our new deck, come and see, ha- have some food, and, and that's sort of entertaining. We kind of think, well, if you we don't have a nice house, if you don't have much food, like, then we just don't invite people over. But hospitality is, is, is not that. It's just about being together, about creating space with what you have. Again, if that's a, a one bedroom apartment that's fine if, if that's like actually I'm living with, with mum and dad or I don't have space let's just go out to coffee or let's just go to a park and just use a barbecue at a park like, like it doesn't matter where it is but it's about being together and just welcoming people in and inviting people in and sharing life together again um, one guy I was listening to was talking about when, when you're doing hospitality it's not like one person's the host and everyone's the guest and you're the host entertaining them with hospitality, it's like we're all partly the hosts. We all share together. We all contribute. We all build in. We all welcome. And actually, we all get to participate in the hospitality together. Secondly, this is not primarily about food. It's what we're saying. Food is the vehicle. It's actually about being together. And again, I think when we make things about food, the idea of eating together, it can easily be like, well, the food has to be really good. And that's good, but... Again, if we can't afford good food or we don't know how to cook good food, then we just won't invite people around our home or we won't eat together because it's, it's too hard. Um, I was talking to, to Robin Driver last year, I think, and she told me the story. It was a great story of, of going to a church and being invited back to someone's home after church. And I think it was the single mum who invited people around her home and served Vegemite sandwiches for lunch. And you could choose whether you had Vegemite sandwiches with cheese or just playing Vegemite sandwiches. And, and Robin said, like, it was just awesome. Because it was like, this is not about the food. Like, this is about being together and hanging out. And that lady just had what she had and she offered it. And it's like, that's great. Like, let's just eat Vegemite sandwiches and hang out. Like, the, that would, imagine, and imagine if she had said, like, well, all I've got is Vegemite sandwiches. I can't invite people around my home. Like, then you miss out on that, that hospitality, that, that fellowship, Doesn't matter what you're eating; you're just eating together, which is which is so good. And again, maybe an opportunity could be share share food around a table, invite people around, but don't have don't need to have this worry about what the food is. Lastly, what we're talking about is different ages and life stages together. Again, we shared earlier in the year through Colossians about the church is this people, and primarily it's a people who are different people. Who are slave and free, Jew and Gentile, male and female, all one in Christ. And in our society, it's, it's people who are different ages, people who are different life stages, people with kids, people without kids, people single, people married, people retired, together because of Jesus. And when we eat together, we sit around a table, a table can be this like leveling place, and just start to share life together. And, and I just encourage us that, that, that this becomes more of a value, that, that we value just eating together, sharing together, old and young, married, single, kids, not kids like that. Actually, we all need each other. And actually, we have things to contribute to each other. And actually, we can just be open and share and grow together. So this is this is just this idea that the one way we can grow together to for our own spiritual formation that we need each other. And again, we need younger people need older people's wisdom and experience and life. Those who are older need young people's energy and fresh insight. Um, we need each other. People with kids and families need to, I'm sure, want to connect, be connected with single people or people who have kids who have moved out. Um, that, that, that we, we all need each other and have things that we can give to each other and, can, and grow into this community where we actually share and do life together. And what we're really talking about is hospitality and, and practicing hospitality. And that's actually, again, such a high value in scripture, and is what God is like as well. That, that He is hospitable. That He's He's the one, He's the God who welcomes the stranger, who welcomes His enemies, who adopts us as His children, who, who brings us into His family. Like God, God welcomes people into His kingdom. As a wedding feast. Like that, that's who God is. And, and there's so many times in scripture where, where he's, he gives food and there's the promise of food. In the promised land, is a the food place with, with, with milk and honey. Um, there's, there's the center out right of the church is Jesus having a meal, as we just had communion before. He, he, he shares a meal and says, Remember me as you break this bread. He, he's, he's the host, he's practicing hospitality and giving his life. And we have an opportunity to do a really simple thing to, to practice eating together around a table and in doing so reflect God in doing so grow together that we can actually be in relationship where we know each other and then we can actually go and make a difference and, and, and share in the world so i'm gonna I'm gonna pray um, and and let you guys work out what what does that mean for you what, what does that mean maybe that means in eating with one other person from the church this week. Maybe it means inviting someone out for a barbecue. Um, maybe it means coming and eating dinner tonight. Like maybe it means staying at morning tea when you wouldn't normally stay and, and sitting down with someone. Uh, I'll, however that works out for you, we encourage you to work it out. Um, and I'm just going to pray and then, then we'll sing and finish off. Father, we just thank you for the hospitality that you've shown us, um, that you've welcomed us into your family. Um, that you give us every day food and uh, clothing. You give us the sunshine and the rain. Uh, thank you for your generosity. And Lord, thank you for our church and for the people that you've, you've placed us with. Thank you for the relationships, Lord. Thank you for the, the closeness that is here. And we just ask God that, yeah, your vision for rivers, um, for our lives, for our connections, um, would, be, would come to pass, Father. We just pray, particularly, God, those who are lonely and disconnected, God, would you, would you draw us together, God, Would there be a sense of community and home and togetherness and love in this place? Um, just pray that you do that by your spirit, um, something that's countercultural and, and hard, but, but freeing and life-giving. We just ask for that in your name, Lord. Amen.